in all seriousness, thank you everyone for being a part of today with us here at Beaches Chapel. This is a good day. It's a day of celebration, and uh, we do not take it lightly that you chose this place to celebrate and be a part of uh, this Resurrection Sunday that we um, build everything on. I mean, this is it. This is the foundation. Uh, the last seven weeks here at Beaches Chapel, we've done a series called Only Jesus and then fill in the blank. It's been a different thing every week. We've gone from Only Jesus knows us. Only Jesus forgives. Only Jesus heals. Only Jesus points us to the Father. Only Jesus is worthy of our praise. Only Jesus is the King. Only Jesus is our defender and our shield. And today we are talking about only Jesus is our Savior. Amen. Only Jesus is our Savior. Why is that? You know, we, we, it, we're in church, we're saying that, but why is only Jesus our Savior? And the reason that only Jesus is our Savior is because only Jesus can be our Savior, and because only Jesus loves us enough to be our Savior. It's because of those two things that Jesus, and only Jesus, is our Savior. And I, I want to say again, our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that Beaches Chapel is a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we, we take that statement, that, that goal of ours that we strive to achieve every single week and throughout the week from Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Part of that scripture says, you are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. And I want to break that verse down this morning because that truly is what we build everything on here at Beaches Chapel is the truth that is in those verses. And what I want to point out first is that there is a before and an after that we're talking about, that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 2. The before, you are no longer wandering exiles. The after, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. The before, you are no longer strangers or outsiders. The after, you belong here. You see, with Jesus, there is a very distinct before and there is a very distinct after, and the two do not bleed together. The scriptures don't say that you are kind of an exile now. You're wandering a little bit, but you can come on in and just see how the shoe fits. Or you're, you know, you're a stranger, but we're going to get to know you a little bit here. You somewhat belong. There is none of that. There is no bleed over from the before and the after. They are two separate, distinct things. The Bible says that when we turn our lives over to Jesus, when he becomes our savior, that he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. And that's not us rolling out a map saying, wow, that's pretty far, those two points. It's God saying, my creation as far as east is from the west. And if you know anything about astronomy at all, you know that there's universes out there that we haven't even discovered yet. Man cannot create telescopes that can see as far as God's creation, as far as the east is from the west. So when he says that he separates our sin, when he takes our before, we're over here in the east, and, and then our after is over here in the west. That is a far distance. There is a distinct difference between the before and the after. And it's something that only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can make that change. Only Jesus has the power to make that change. And we see that in what we're celebrating today. Read with me in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. 
It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Only Jesus can save us because only Jesus has the humility and the love to lay down his power and give up his spirit on the cross and then in that same power raise himself from the dead three days later. And I want to... I want to Pay very close attention here to the timing of the stone. It said, as the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, he rolled aside the stone, and then he sat on it, which the, the picture of that I just love, by the way. Like, can you imagine being there, and there's just this angel chilling on top of a, of a stone, like, what's up, you know? But w- what's important here to, to know is that the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. He was already gone. The stone was rolled away so that these women and the disciples later could come in and see for themselves that he wasn't there. In other words, the power of Jesus got him out of the tomb before the stone was ever rolled away. That's the power of Jesus. That's why he is only our Savior and nothing and no one else is. Because only he has the power to leave a tomb where the stone is still there. And he does. So the angel's purpose in rolling the stone away was not so, all right, good job, Jesus. Three days are up. It's Easter now. You can go ahead and go on out. Great job, buddy. Appreciate you. Proud of you. The purpose of it is to say, hey, come on in. Come on. Y'all see for yourselves. He's gone. He's risen. Death can't hold him. Come check it out. See for yourself. Touch it. And that's what he does. Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is it. Jesus is it. There's no one else. I want to talk also what's in those verses in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 is the word home. It says that we're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now our home country. It says that we're no longer strangers or outcasts or outsiders. We belong here and God is building a home. And all of us, we we place here in, in our world, the world that we live in, we place such an emphasis on our home. We buy a house, we rent a house, and we make it our own. We take time in choosing the paint that we're going to put on the wall and what we're going to hang on the wall, on the furniture we use, how big our 70-inch TV is going to be. Thank you, Jesus, right? And everything that we do in these houses, we do to make them our home so that it can be a place of rest. It can be a place of safety. It can be a place where we feel our, our, ourselves more than any other place, right? And so we, tr- tr- we try to create this home for us. But as, as hard as we try, as much effort and thought as we put in to the homes that we create for ourselves, they pale in comparison to what God has for us. Because it doesn't say in these verses that you are no longer wandering exiles. This house is now your home country. It says this kingdom of faith. Y'all, we can try really hard. We're never going to be able to create a kingdom. 
But what God is saying to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus is I am creating a kingdom that is your home. It's yours. You're not staying in here rent-free. It belongs to you. It is your home. We're all searching for that home. We can pretend that we're not, but I believe, honestly, from a very early age, we are looking for a place to belong. We do so when we're young and how we dress, the music we listen to, the hobbies that we pick, how we talk, for crying out loud, all in an effort to try and belong somewhere or to some group of people, and it doesn't change as we get older. We are looking to belong somewhere. And so we have this desire to do so, and we look to all these things. But what we're talking about today is that it's only Jesus that gives us that belonging. And if only Jesus can be our Savior, that means also the flip side of that is that nothing else can be. If Jesus is the only Savior, then everything else isn't. That means success is not our Savior. That means your spouse is not your Savior, or the hope of a spouse is not your Savior. It means your children are not your Savior. And it especially means that we are not our Savior. I cannot save me, and I hate to burst your bubble, but you can't save you either. I challenge each one of us in here, go into a tomb, have a stone rolled at the doorway, and try and get out. You can't. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus offers a kingdom. Bear with me for a second here, as we are going to read a verse that I'm sure you were expecting to read this morning very typical of Easter Sunday, out of Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 13. It says, some, some itinerant Jewish exorcists who happened to be in town at the time tried their hand at what they assumed to be Paul's game. They pronounced the name of the master Jesus over victims of evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus preached by Paul. The seven sons of a certain Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were trying to do this on a man when the evil uh, spirit talked back. I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? Then the possessed man went berserk, jumped the exorcists, beat them up, and tore off their clothes. Naked and bloody, they got away as best they could. Happy Easter, everybody. Right? What'd y'all talk about? Jesus on the cross, the tomb? Nah, we talked about demons and exorcists. Welcome to Beach's Chapel, y'all. This is how we roll. Why, why in the world would I bring this story up to you today of all days? Because I would like for you to return here. It'd be awesome if you did. Well, the reason I bring that up, because at the core of this story, at the core of what's happening here is a group of men trying to imitate Jesus without the power of Jesus, but expecting Jesus' results. And when we try to be our own savior, we are trying to imitate Jesus without Jesus, expecting the results of Jesus. And we can't. You know what happens? Life starts beating us up. And the enemy looks us square in the eye and says, bro, I don't even know your name. You think I'm scared of you? Imitator? That's what us trying to be our own savior results in. That's why you can go into the nicest home that is decorated the best ever, and inside that home is anxiety and stress and worry and suicidal thoughts, and depression, and addiction to alcohol, drugs, and pornography, where there's divorce, where kids are running away all the time. Why? Because that's an imitation of what Jesus can do, and it doesn't 
work. Listen, y'all, this might be my only opportunity, and I want to say very clearly, you cannot save yourself. And I say that not out of judgment, not out of anything else, but concern and love for you. And anyone that has walked with Jesus has the before of that reality and can tell you it doesn't work. And then once we turn our lives over to Jesus, then we understand who our Savior is. And then all those things that are struggling in our home, uh, how we've been beating our head against the wall, trying to be our own Savior, they're gone. And we start living the life that God intended for us to live. But until we do that, we are imitators of a Jesus that we can never be. And the enemy's just laughing, saying, I don't even know you. Get out my face. Now, the flip side of that, Ephesians 2, starting in verse 7. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, y'all. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. I love this part. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Only Jesus is our Savior. You know what the beauty of it is? He knows it. He said, I got you. You can't do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to die on the cross for you. I'm going to be your Savior. Do you all know that the, just the word crucifixion back in the day of Jesus was an obscenity? It was so vile of a topic that people wouldn't even talk about it. And so here is Jesus, the Messiah, coming down, submitting himself to this obscenity, and it didn't commute with people. It, it, it didn't it, it compute. It, they didn't understand. How can you be Messiah and associate yours? We don't even talk about this. And you're going to get put on a cross? This doesn't make any sense. Jesus said, it's me being your savior. It's me creating a home for you. It's me giving you a kingdom for you to belong in. So you don't have to fail at trying to do it yourself. We have one more point in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 that I want to talk about. We'll have the band come back up as we discuss this one. And it's that, that phrase, irrespective of how we got here. God is building a home and he's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. Luke 23, starting in verse 32, says two others. This is the scene of Jesus dying on the cross. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? 
we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man has done, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. When this criminal got to heaven, no one was saying, hey, you don't belong here. You're a stranger. You're an outsider. You're an exile because of what you did. He said, welcome home. It was in that last moment of this criminal's life that the before and the after happened. He was a criminal. And then he said, Jesus, remember me. Another way of saying that is Jesus, save me. And Jesus said, welcome to your after. Irrespective of how he got there, he was welcomed just like everyone else. It doesn't matter what the before looks like. It does not matter, again, what the before looks like. Jesus rolled the stone away for all of us to come in, irrespective of how we got here. Listen, I don't care what got any of us here this morning. I don't. Religious obligation, pressure from the family, whatever it might be, I don't care. Because the Bible says, irrespective of how we got here, we're here now. You're here now. I want to ask, have you been trying to be your own savior, beating your head against the wall, looking at all these other things that this world has to offer? up short, keep coming up unsatisfied, wondering why, why do I continue to have this, this hurt, to continue to have these, it's just, it's just not working, why is life like this? And I want you to ask yourself, who's the Savior in your life right now? What is the Savior in your life right now? Celebrate today, because Jesus is risen, and because he took that burden off of us, he said, you belong here. give us the opportunity this morning to have an after. The before is gone. But this is our chance to have the after. To choose Jesus. To let go of the struggling, the trying, the hurt. What did Paul write? He said, all we have to do is trust that he'll do it. That's our responsibility. Will Jesus do it? I'm here to tell you, yes, he will. He will. He'll heal the hurts. He'll heal the brokenness. He'll heal your marriage. Bring your kids back home. He'll be with you if we just trust in him. I know there's some of us in here that have some hurts. That maybe it was a pastor or someone in the church that hurt you. Maybe it was someone that let you down. That was a Jesus in your life, a representation of Jesus in your life. And I know that those hurts are very real, but understand in this moment, those hurts are not of Jesus. Those people were never going to be able to save you. Only Jesus can save you. 
So if we can, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Before we take communion, I just want to pray this prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. If you just consider this story we just read of the criminal, you didn't even pray a prayer. It's formal prayer, I mean. He just looked at Jesus and said, remember me. But that was it. There's no formula. There's no equation that we have to solve when it comes to salvation. God kept it very simple for us on purpose. Because if it was complicated, we'd mess it up. He's concerned with our heart. Here's our opportunity to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So if you would, just repeat this prayer after me. And if you've prayed it before, if you've already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, praise God. What more does he want to hear on this Resurrection Sunday than you affirming your faith to him? And if this is your first time, or maybe your first time in a long time, take this opportunity to have your after. To stop wandering. Stop roaming about looking for somewhere to belong when it's right here in front of you. Just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again, all for me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name. We take our communion cups right now. You can begin the fun opening process. These, and I, I want to say very quickly, as you do, um, if that was your first time praying that prayer, or, or maybe it's just been a long time, you've been away from the Lord, and you have this pull of coming back to Him, please talk to me, talk to Ben, Hannah, Valerie, uh, one of our elders, um, the person next to you. I don't really care who it is, but tell somebody. We want to continue to pray for you, and I also want to invite you next, uh, next week. We're going to be talking about water baptisms, but in two weeks we're going to be doing water baptisms. And that is a great way to affirm your faith. And it is a, if you've never been to one of our water baptism Sundays, it's fun. We have a good time. It is powerful. But don't just take this and hide it to yourself. Tell someone this is a safe place. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. We thank you that you did not consider equality with God something to cling to, but you gave up your divine privilege and you humbled yourself. You humbled yourself, Jesus, to death, even death on a cross worst death, the worst possible death for us. Jesus, you were, you were beaten, you were spit on, you were mocked, and you just took it.
deserve death for us. And so right now, Jesus, as you told us to do, we remember your sacrifice and we take this body representing, or this bread representing our, your body and remember the sacrifice that you made, beaten and bruised, nailed to a cross. Let's take the bread. saying about earlier, Jesus, we say thank you for the blood that has washed us white. It's your blood that gives us the before and the after, that distinction of who we were and who we are now in you. And it's all because of your blood poured out for us. You make us new. Your word says your mercies are new every single morning. Jesus, we can delight in Resurrection Sunday, every single day of the week, every week of the year, every year of our lives. Your blood over us does not run dry. You make us new every single day. Father, for those that, that need that after, that have been walking in shame and guilt and just embarrassment, beating themselves up because they feel like they can't get it together and keep doing the same thing over and over, Lord. I just pray for all of us in this room right now who are walking through that. They would remember that your blood makes us clean, and no one is an exception to that. Thank you for your blood poured out for us, our perfect and spotless land. Let's take it.